and reports from coastal stations. East at Sierra, West at Sierra, Southwest at Sierra, and North Northeast at Sierra. Wind Southwest, rain at times, good. 40s, 50s, 60s, Tyne, Dogger, German Bite, French Kiss and Swiss Roll. Westerly becoming cyclonic, good. Right here in London's East End. I'm reading at any level, any time, anywhere, and with anybody. Who are they? What might be your secretary, your doctor's receptionist, or a dancer in a go-go club? They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Now, Hello. Hello again. Welcome back. This is part two. Hello, everyone. <laughs> okay, so we're going to start part two. Oh, <laughs> part two. Um, so we feature live music on the show. And this is Amens, who has featured before. Off you go. Thank you, thank you. Check, check. All right, all right, all right. Uh, yes, my name is Anthony Mensah, uh, shortened to Amens because it's just easier. And um, I'm going to play, the first I'm going to play is called Can I Confide? And like I was just talking to a friend earlier about uh, mental health and that's what this song is kind of about. Um, and it's about like the power of actually confiding and talking to people and help, that helping to kind of relieve, relieve, I don't know, relieve what? Relieve, yeah, relieve something. Let the scars show. Breathe, take off the bravado. Just let the scars show. In the harsh glow. Breathe, take off the bravado. Just let the scars show. Voices of a dear child, fears wild, covered in concealed guile. It's like I'm living split lives on this disk drive. Profile pics disguised, cleared files, delete, delete. Deleted memories lay asleep in secret cemeteries. Fell out of touch with close friends and into easy reach with enemies. Suppose I just needed some empathy or some decent therapy. Maybe then I'll be an agony uncle or auntie to these celebrities. And I said, breathe, take off the bravado, and just let the scars show. Breathe, take off the bravado, and just let the scars show. And my heart's bone is a kid, I just 
serotonin I guess it's time for my atonement see I'm cliff to the ocean erosion of all emotion exposing me to the open coping mechanisms broken and I'm laying here submerged in habitual compulsions quaking at the urge of the ritual indulgence oh, shit. I think I need a moment to facilitate control rehabilitate my soul but it seems my mind's a soul opponent see I need to learn to trust in the filament of the feeling let the river rush through the rivers within your being see deep in all of us there's a vision brilliance beaming it's kind of like a, a beacon streaming redeeming your demons a reprieve from the screams in the scenes when you're sleeping relief from the weeping bereavement of your bleeding through Let the scars show in my heart's bow. So can I just confide something that's been weighing on my mind? I don't wanna have to hide nothing. My true colors are breaking. So can I just confide? If I looked a bit confused there, it's because I was. Like, uh, I kind of, um, I've not, pl- I've like been trying to work on different versions of that song and I just got confused and so I just carried on. Ap- apologies. Apologies. Um, yeah, so thanks to Jess for inviting me down and I went on their radio show a little while ago and um, it was really cool. I've, actually, I've been on it twice now because uh, I work for a charity just down the road called the Hackney Pirates and yes. I'm about to plug it quite massively. Uh, so Jess actually used to work at the Hackney Pirates until she uh, left us, tragically, and we haven't quite, we haven't quite forgiven her. And I'm with two of my colleagues, Carmen and Laura, uh, in the corner here. Um, now, the Hackney Pirates is really cool. We work with kids after school on creative writing projects. I'm loving this reverb. Keep, keep it. Uh, we work on, with kids on creative writing projects, and we try to show them that learning can be fun and adventurous. Um, but more than just fun, we want them to know their learning has a meaning in the real world. So we publish their work. We make storybooks, we sell them in the shop, we make music projects, put them on a radio station, and we're now making a movie which will be screened at the Rio Cinema. Um, in the space of a year, the kids that come to our program are going up 50% faster than age-related expectations in their reading and writing. Um, so it's having a massive impact, and it's just by showing kids, you know, learning is fun, it's something that can be cool and mean something. Um, I've got some flyers on me, if anyone's interested in getting involved. How many sessions do we ask for a month, Carmen? 12 sessions. No, not, not, a not a month, not a month. Just one, one session a month, one session a month. It's super low commitment. Because like, whenever you hear about volunteering, people think, oh, I've got to, I can't give up a, you know, one day a week. It's only one afternoon a month, and it's flexible. You move it around. If you need to take a break, you can take a break. So either chat with me or chat with Laura or Carmen... Uh, if you see us later, and please, or Jess actually, and get involved because it's having a massive impact. Um, uh, the track I'm going to play is called Symptoms of the System, and it's kind of like about what it was like for me growing up. like, I mean, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. Put your hands up if you were raised in Hackney, if you were like born and raised in Hackney. 
No, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. It just re- reaffirmed, reaffirmed my suspicions. So I hustled in my youth. See, I wasn't trying to be no Batman. Tell you the truth. Now I ain't claiming to be nobody's victim. You see, these sicknesses we're afflicted with are just symptoms of a system, yeah. Back on my reflections eyes, I reflect on why my reflex was to reject advice. I had to re-step, check, revise, re-step my stride, stop skidding, correct the slide. You ever wrecked a ride on a reckless ride? I hope the damage was easily rectified at high speed. Some fine in a second life can just be taken and you get no second try. This movie's one take, shot with no rehearsal, starring good girls gone bad, role reversal. Strama on the states, use rolling circles, and karma is replayed like an old commercial. Yeah, so commercial, don't advertise to glamorize the road is hurtful, look I'm sorry if the camera lies I still analyse the scene where the man arrives I'm caught on my planned supplies oh, I stand aside oh. So I hustled In my youth See I wasn't trying to be no bad man No, I was just confused Tell you the truth Now I ain't claiming Nobody's victim But you see these sicknesses we're afflicted with Are just symptoms of a system I didn't grow up in Hackney either, so I hope no one's feeling like uncomfortable. I grew up in Walthamstow, down the road. But like, I mean, I kind of got myself in a bit of trouble with the uh, with the forces, with the boys in blue, and got myself involved in the informal economy, people call it, if you know what that means. And it was mostly because I had had no role models and like the people around me weren't showing me that learning might be something fun that I might feel was cool Uh, so that's hopefully what we're doing at the Hackney Pirates like so like I say please come and get involved or spread the word this plug could go for much longer but I'm going to cut it there (laughs) see where I grew up the ethnic minorities are in the majority Most make a living modestly while living in poverty Hardly no one knows their property is council authority More concerned about controversy than working on policy This shit only bothers me cause I see it obviously Could it be this way? Not possibly if not for this monarchy You set about the robbery me and my... See where I grew up? The ethnic minorities are in the majority. Most make a living modestly while living in poverty. Hardly no one knows their property is council authority. More concerned about controversy than working on policy. See, this shit only bothers me because I see it obviously. Couldn't be this way, not possibly, if not for this monarchy. Who set about the robbery of my country's sovereignty just to build up their economy and leave no commonwealth in the colony? So Mumsy emigrated, cause what she envisioned is a life far greater than us living in villages. Choose the opposite to opportunistic images. She only got jobs for snobs, mopping up spillages. Watch the rich getting richer, holidays with the villages. From poor estate in Chingford down by where the river is. Plus daddy never stuck around, he just didn't give a shit. She's forced to raise those kids on the privilege. And so I hustled. In my youth. See I wasn't trying to be no bad man. No, I was just confused. Tell you the truth. Now I ain't claiming, no, I ain't claiming to be nobody's victim. But you see, these sicknesses are afflicted with are just symptoms of a system. Yeah.
tear with the honey pirates, please. Thank you, thank you. And get a coffee, and get a coffee. <laughs> I was originally going to do like five songs, but the plug so took so long that I'm going to just do one more song. Uh, <laughs> um, this, uh, yeah, so like oh, as you can, I, I do the rapping thing and uh, the guitaring thing, and like, but this song doesn't have any rapping in it because it's like some experimental shit. Um, and it's also kind of to do with mental health. Um, it's, it's like uh, something written from a play that I was in, so I took lines out of the play and then made this, this thing. So yeah. My heart is this fortress, hardened from tortures. Love's guarded and boarded, hiding in corners, round in these haunted eyes. My voice has been dormant, oh Lord, this is my first lie. My heart is this fortress, hardened from tortures. Love's guarded and boarded, hiding in corners, round in these haunted eyes. My voice has been dormant, oh Lord, this is my first lie. names for beings like her There are names for beings like her oh, I said there are names for beings like her And she's burning through you She's burning through you She's burning through you She's burning through you I love her. You know I love her. And she loves me. You believe me? No one else believes me. I have to do this alone. Until she comes. You said you believed me. She loves me. She will come. There are names for beings like her. There are names for beings like her. Oh, I said there are names for beings like her. And she's burning through you. She's burning through you. She's burning through you. She's burning through you. Sociopath. My heart is this fortress, hardened from tortures. Love's guarded and boarded, hiding in corners, round in these haunted eyes. My voice has been dormant. Oh Lord, this is my first lie. My heart is this fortress. Hardened from tortures, love's guarded and boarded, hiding in corners, round in these haunted eyes. My voice has been dormant. Oh Lord, this is my first lie. Thank you. There's a long outro bit, but we won't do that. Thank you very much. <laughs> Anthony.
<laughs> also, you should definitely volunteer at Heine Pirates. It's the best place ever. <laughs> um, so we're going to do our next half of audio now. We're going to do our next half of audio. Uh, and the next three pieces are by May Lee Evans, Tom Glasser, and then the last one is by me. Imagine driving along in a car, 40 miles an hour naked and then jumping out the door. That is essentially, if you get down on a road bike, you're not wearing like protective gear, you're wearing like, lycra. I think I fell off like twice last year. I mean, some people have some really horrible accidents, but I've been quite lucky. Uh, my name is Isaac Mundy, and I'm a, a hill climber. So a hill climb is a, a sort of specific, very short form of a like time trial, a bike race where you just race against the clock rather than against other people, and it's just up a hill, and they tend to range from maybe two to ten minutes in the UK. I think that's something I really like about hill climbs is that it's obviously you're competing against the other people, but you're all kind of competing against the hill. Some will be really short, might be really steep or not, or they'll be very, like, varying gradient and different ramps and corners and the wind might play a part. The hill is what makes the race. I do like everything associated with doing an exam. The adrenaline and the pressure and having to get on with it and do it um, right then and there. You know, it's going to start at 10.30am and you can't really do anything about it, which is then quite nice. And it's quite a lot of exams, so I kind of miss that. But I don't miss constant crushing self-doubt and stress about having to do maths every day. But you have to develop a way to cope with exams, otherwise you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle anyway, realistically, but not debilitatingly so don't act or sing or really I don't play an instrument whatever but I guess it's similar to geeing yourself out for a hill climb rule number one of time trialling is don't miss your start time and then rule number two is don't go out too hard because you'll blow up if blowing up is the like no I won't be able to continue this to the end and that means that you're going to lose a lot of time and feel awful. You just kind of get too far into oxygen debt, far above, I guess, what they call like threshold, into, which is you're kind of like processing and dissipating the lactic acid. You won't shit yourself, but it feels like that. And then if you build up too much lactic acid, your legs kind of stop. You're breathing goes everything is kind of like is ruined um, <laughs> the last 30 seconds isn't very nice at all I mean the classic phrase that people say is like pedaling through treacle at the same time it's something you're choosing to do for fun so like it's not it's silly to describe it as like suffering but sometimes you do pack it in slightly early but you will always regret that afterwards if you feel as though you backed off a bit or you didn't really bury yourself that's very frustrating especially because sometimes the times can be very close at nationals this year there was two fifths of a second separating second and, and third place you have to judge your pace and say how hard am I going can I continue this effort to the end? And if the answer is yes, then you're not trying hard enough because you could be going a bit more. And if the answer is no, then it's too late. But the answer has to be like maybe. I think I can continue this effort to the end. Possibly not. But 
I hope I can. I would find myself focusing on the sound of the wing in a way and almost found because the night scenery the sounds of the night time in a prison are vastly different to the daytime sounds you you get individual calls in the night and so I would f- focus on the kind of sonic vacuum and then the occurrences and 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 yeah I guess that would be my meditative practice in a sense It's 10.10 in the evening and I'm in a cell in a wing of HMP Brixton. That's one thing I neglected to mention is the emergency bells going off. Sometimes it's a genuine emergency and sometimes it's people just messing around except (laughs) that they just need a little bit of a row with the officer or maybe because they're... Yeah, whatever, there's a bunch of reasons, isn't there? I, I think that in the, in the same way that your voice reverberates, your thoughts reverberate, and the same way that you hear echoes of things that you don't really understand from down the corridor, the same thing happens in your mind. A cell is very like the brain of an institutionalised prisoner. Stephen Jesse Bernstein was a poet from the west coast of America and he was um, a protégé of William Burroughs and there was this one record that the famous sub-pop label put out um, of his uh, ramblings and I had that CD while I was in prison and it meant a lot to me and I love it and the record itself is called Prison (laughs) so there's this song and it's called More Noise Please and this is me reading the lyrics (laughs) not as well as he did but here we go I live on a street where there are many many cars and trucks and factories that pump and bang and grind all night and day it's a miracle that I can write poetry or sleep. It's a miracle that I can write poetry or sleep or talk on the telephone or that my lover will visit me here. There is so much noise. Every few minutes a jet comes in low or a prop job swings down like a kamikaze. There is an airport at the end of my street. The New Age people say that you choose all these things. Choose the cars and trucks and airplanes, me and all of my neighbors. Well, maybe this is true. Maybe we can't live without all this goddamn noise. Maybe I need the noise to write poems, make love, and eat. I'm going to hang a sign out my window that says... More noise, please, or thank you for making noise. Finally, I put my my head head between between two two pillows. pillows. It's the same every night. night. I love it. I need it. Without you, I could not live. I would not have written this poem, I yell, the window dangling half on, half off. It's funny because I do actually sleep with one pillow on top of my head. Or whatever, um, yeah. Anyone who's ever seen me sleeping is laughing at me because I'm like one pillow underneath, one pillow on top, like a burger. A big old window on a busy road that I always keep open, and I feel like I'm sleeping on a park bench, and and and, and that's great. That's how I like it. I'm into noise. 
first night in a prison cell in a few years. Thankfully, touch wood, <laughs> or I should say, uh, touch metal and touch brick. There's not much wood going on around here. Let's see if we get woken up in the middle of the night by any howling inmates, whatever goes bump in the HMP night. Night night. This is Now Then. Stories of people over 70 years old told in their own words. This is Eva. Franco was a nationalist extreme nationalist, fascist. The Republicans were in power when the Spanish Civil War broke out and it was a rebellion against the Republicans and for a time it looked as though the Republicans were winning. In fact, it was their bombs that were falling on Mallorca and frightening me and they were the people we wanted to win. It was a terrible war because it broke up families and when Many, many years later, I revisited Mallorca together with my husband. We were struck by the fact that nobody spoke of the Civil War. It was like a blanket of silence over that war. People were afraid of raking up old, bad emotions. Excuse me. Hello? I am well, my darling, but I am in the middle of, what do I say that I'm in the middle of, please? <laughs> recording a podcast. Re- recording for a podcast. Oh. Okay, okay, bye. <laughs> In 1955, I met Igor Ozim, a Yugoslav violinist who studied with my teacher, Max Rostal. Although he was my age, he was already an international soloist, violin soloist, and very worldly wise and sophisticated, good-looking. <laughs> so I developed a crush on him. He asked me out once, but only once. We had dinner together. I was very, very struck by him, but he wasn't very struck by me, I don't think. Subsequently, I met another friend of Ivan's from the Royal College of Music, who was a piano student. And he was also a Yugoslav, but from a different part of Yugoslavia. Igor Osim came from Slovenia, if I remember correctly. And... Dushan was a Serbian. Knowing they were both Yugoslavs, and this was long before the breakup of Yugoslavia, I thought they must know each other, and I went all out to make an impression on Dushan so that he would tell Igor how wonderful I was, and that <laughs> therefore I would get somewhere with Igor. However, it didn't work out that way. Dushan pursued me relentlessly, and I really wasn't interested at first. I kept him rather at arm's length. Although I treated him with great coolness, it it made no difference. He just went on pursuing me. Until one day, he and I went for a walk on Hampstead Heath, and he was telling me how 
unhappy it made him that the one person to whom he felt closest was keeping him at arm's length. So I explained that it was because I cared for him that I was being rather cool to him because I didn't want to lead him on. But after a while, I began to ask myself, why was I keeping him at arm's length? And I began to doubt it. And then we went to the Cosmo restaurant in Finchley Road, which doesn't exist anymore. And we sat at a table next to a window. And suddenly, I was most overwhelmingly happy, and I didn't know what had hit me. What on earth was going on? Why was I so happy? And there was Dushan holding my hand, saying how happy he was now. And I realized that I'd fallen in love. And somehow he'd picked it up. And Igor was completely forgotten. He was of no account anymore at all. I think it was in February 1956 that I suddenly woke up and realized that I was madly in love with Dushan. And this went on for seven months until I had to go back home to South Africa. And not long after, he was going home to Yugoslavia. I was totally overwhelmed by the emotion of feeling in love. Extraordinarily happy, but also filled with a kind of melancholy because I knew that we would have to separate sometime. And yet I knew that that was the best thing because I could not imagine how we could go on forever with this passionate feeling for each other without it just consuming us. I really felt as though I was on fire and that the fire would consume me if, if it went on forever. It was probably necessary for us to part, although when we did, they nearly killed me. We never actually consummated our feelings. I think he was afraid of making me pregnant. It was before the time of the contraceptive pill, which would have made the whole situation much more relaxed. Although I was equipped with contraceptive equipment, <laughs> I suppose he just felt that that might not be safe. I don't know. Madeline Marie. Uh, so you just heard The Climb by Maylee Evans, an extract uh, from Sound Inside by Tom Glasser. Sound Inside spent 24 hours inside HMP Brixton Prison and they learned from inma inmates how, how the unique soundscape affects their psychology and experienced the unexpected poetry of the oral architecture. Uh, and that last piece you heard was from my podcast series, which is called Now Then, and shares the stories of people who are over 70 years old. Uh, so now for our last three clips, we have audio from Rebecca Lloyd-Evans, Eva Kreisiak, and then Lucia. Morell is a literary agent working in New York. She's a kind of matchmaker between ghostwriters and celebrities who are going to write their autobiographies. And write them was in air quotes, just in case you're wondering. But here she's talking about her volunteer work at a reading group that she runs, where the focus is on literature that's usually meant to be read late at night, but has found its home in the middle of the day at a community centre for elderly blind people. I thought either I'd be reading books that I wanted to read anyway and that way I would kill two birds with one stone or I'd be reading the short story from the New Yorker something that you know had some literary merit the social worker told me that there was no point in doing a book club because there are different people each week in the in the group and therefore they wouldn't be able to follow on and also since the group have a tendency to fall asleep maybe I should read them short stories that are a little racy. OK, we are all present and correct. So what hot stuff do we have for today? So this story is called Club Head, and we can't imagine what they give there. <laughs> <laughs> I love everything about clubbing. From the moment I step out of my... I looked into the sort of Barbara Cartland type thing and there are no such things as, as Barbara Cartland uh, short stories with elliptical, bodice-ripping activities. So then I discovered this uh, African-American writer, Zane, who has become incredibly successful uh, writing anthologies of erotica. She starts to talk. 
talk dirty. And though she's looking at Shay, I know she's talking to me. She can watch. She started reading these books, and at first I was told that I should um, tone them down a bit and, you know, say vagina instead of pussy. And I was having lunch one day with a very old friend of mine, in every sense of the word, a 96-year-old still-practicing sex therapist, and I was asking her about it, and to this day I remember her saying to me, don't infantilise them, they're grown-ups. Madeline? Don't give up on these people. Don't make them as if they had, had no power anymore or no uh, acceptance of something that you might think is not appropriate. They don't draw that line. They're all age groups, right, the people who come to see you, young and old? One couple in the 70s, they, 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 they're the worst couple as far as getting along with each other. I don't know if I could make a dent in that after 35 years, but the newest one is a young girl of about 27 does a 27-year-old not think, oh, do I really want to see a therapist who's 100 years old? I don't know whether she knows that I'm 100, but she knows that I'm... Uh, a little older than she is. A lot older. Right. <laughs> All of her senses were alive. Her purrs excite me further, so I become more determined to make her hips rise from the velvet. Like me, she sees her resistance to orgasm as an exercise in futility. I absolutely have no inhibitions whatsoever about reading to these people, but the minute somebody comes in who um, isn't blind, I get terribly embarrassed and very self-conscious. So this is a very, a very sort of private group that we have. One time it was a little more OTT than usual, and this story required a particularly explosive orgasm, so I had a particularly explosive, <laughs> but rather loud, I guess, and a nurse came rushing in from next door and said, oh, what happened here? Was somebody hurt? And we all burst out laughing as I said, no, I was just having another orgasm. Right now, so your, your timing's impeccable. You've just, you just got right in time for the hot pits. We've just been working up to it. She sucks her breath in through her teeth, and low guttural moans escape her throat. <laughs> Age wise, they run the gamut. I remember having a 90 year old lady coming into me one day, and she whispered to me, I want to go to the bathroom. And I said, oh, OK, fine, you're OK. She said, oh, yes, she said, I just want to juice myself up. I thought that was just wonderful, wonderfully touching, that she was so, so nakedly honest with me. Another woman told me that, you know, she likes to come to my group because her husband won't make love to her anymore. So there are many different reasons why these people come. And we have uh, really a unique relationship doesn't matter how grumpy or how bad mood I'm in when I get there. I always feel on a high when I leave because I have such a wonderful time with these people and it's so life-affirming. You're a funny woman. I'm a funny woman? You <laughs> <laughs> made my day. You made her day. You I made your day. Well, thank you. Oh, yeah. Don't worry, I can watch my toes. Yeah. See you next week, Anna. See you next week, Robert, I hope. Bye, Linda. Bye, Well, we've got to start from the beginning. I was 19 years old when this all happened in 1936. Mosey was supposed to be coming down the White Chapel, and I don't know if you know about it, but there was uh, a lot of fascists around Bethnal Green, and they were going to march from the tower. And there were so many people out there that they were all shouting, they shall not pass. I was standing at the corner of Lemon Street, 
I'm standing there, the horses, you know, the people throw marbles and the horses fall down. <coughs> Excuse me. I thought, I'll have a walk down, and I walked down to Cable Street from there. And there was a lorry turned over, and there was a bit of skirmish going on, you can imagine, with the fascists, anti-fascists. Terrible. I was frightened, you know, because when the people, the crowds, they move, you move with them. So many people. I was frightened. My very first client actually was basically in like a glorified hotel. It's kind of a place where you stay if you're going to stay longer term in a, in a city. You know what I mean? It has a it has a kitchen and a living room kind of area. I showed up and I knocked on the door and. He was not what I was expecting at all. I can't remember exactly what I was expecting from the email exchanges, but it wasn't that. He was um, in his 50s, probably, or maybe late 40s. He had long, stringy, uh, gray and black hair. It was like uh, salt and pepper, but very long and kind of um, a little bit like unkept, you know? When he opened the door, he was actually wearing a long black trench coat, which he must have just come in from being outside, and a black T-shirt that was underneath, and black pants, and black socks, and black shoes. But it was a moment where you're like, he looked like an assassin. I've loads. Fortunately, I've got loads. Many, many beautiful times in my life. I'm very lucky. I had beautiful days, beautiful weeks, beautiful months. I had lots of love, lots of friends, lots of parties, lots of eclipses. Um, I've been lucky and um, I've been happy. Now at the moment I'm, I'm going through a challenging time. But I can't say I'm unhappy. I'm challenged. There's the idea that uh, women who strip have got this like porn parody aesthetic, so everything's hypersexualized and fake and exaggerated, which there is that. But there's also a lot of girls who have very different looks like girl next door or curvy girl or skinny girl or hairy girl that's me <laughs> I've got pubic hair I've got quite a lot <laughs> and it's always been quite a joke between the girls because most girls have you know no hair you know there's there's trends isn't there of like Brazilians and the runway and then nothing at all and so I've always liked the bush and I hopefully think it's coming back I think the bush is coming back so that whole helmet Newton you know the hair and the kind of Amazonian I always like that look so yeah I'm the hairy stripper um, <laughs> sometimes I used to colour in my pubic hair so it really exaggerate it so it used to piss some men off I remember one guy shouting out shave it when I was on the stage which made me more determined to uh, grow it. I don't see why I should conform to another person's idea of what a woman looks like. Like, what's sexy? You know, I feel sexy with hair because I waited a long time to hit puberty and now I've got my... <laughs> I've got my womanly assets. I want to keep them. Some customers will ask, why do you have hair? And I will say, because I'm a 31-year-old woman. And some men love it, and some men find it uh, quite off-putting, um, which is not my problem. They've already paid for the dance, so there's no refunds. 
Well, I just, I guess, like, this is going to sound very cliche, but it's just the jungle is fucking amazing. I've never been anywhere like that ever or had an experience like a place so overwhelmingly different and so powerful it's ridiculous like you can sense everything from that place is special and then and just the way people go about it knowing that how dangerous it is like on a natural level you know there's things that are like a threat to your life just at arm's reach all the time and then just everything else about it is amazing like the smell of it the look of it the jungle at night is the craziest thing i've ever experienced in my life My name's Simon Casson and I'm the producer for Ducky and we run the Posh Club in Hackney which is a club for elegant elders, swanky senior citizens and glamorous golden girls. It runs every Wednesday from 12 till 3 and it is uber, uber, uber glamorous. My mum was in her 80s and my sister did a tea party for my mum and three of her mates and made them nice sandwiches and served them tea in a teapot around someone's house. And they really, really enjoyed it because they didn't get out much. She sort of slightly formalised it and served them properly. And my mum told me about it and I thought, hey, that's a good idea. And for 20 years we've been running this thing called Ducky where we put on cabaret and performance and you know we run 20 years at the Vauxhall Tavern which is a gay pub in Vauxhall and so our history and our you know what we do for a living is putting shows on and dancing girls and cabaret and performance art things like that so I said to my sister why don't we combine it you do the tea and the cakes and the service and I'll put on the showbiz and then we'll invite my mum and all her mates and loads of other people we'll ask everyone to dress up in their best clothes and we'll see what happens and uh, so we did and it was a hit. My name's Dickie Eaton, and I'm one of the producers with Ducky. Between Simon and myself, we put on all the different events that Ducky has. Posh Club happens in the afternoon because we realise that older people, which is who the event is for, don't always want to be out in the evening. They want to make sure that when the darkness comes that they're not training around the streets, it's easy to get around, and it's a cabaret entertainment loving club, I suppose you could say, in a way, in a weird way. Actually, in the early days, we had some things that didn't make it in the final cut. When we first did the club, we showed films. They were a disaster, so we stopped showing them. Then we showed situation comedies on video screen. That didn't work, so we cut it. Then we had a hairdresser doing the ladies' hair like as they came in, and uh, that didn't work. But what did work was cabaret, poshcons uniforms, fancy service, and ooh-la-la. And we definitely have a lot of ooh-la-la. I'm so glad to come here again, and uh, I love to be here. It's a very entertaining place, and uh, the food, the champagne, the cakes, everything is very nice. We are highly entertained. Me and my friend Moses here, and my uh, friend Tina, we are all very happy to come here every time. 
which is called the Posh Club for a reason, because we want everybody to put on their best Sunday afternoon outfit and come and enjoy themselves. I think there's several reasons why people come and why people want to come. Um, it's an opportunity for older people to come and dress up and look glamorous and be looked after and be given care and attention and treated in a really beautiful way. And in the meantime, we're putting different acts on stage. Some of them are like old musical acts, acts that they probably would have seen at some stage in their, in their lives. But they're not always available to older people at an affordable price. And that's what it's also about. It's kind of like it's four pounds. We run two posh clubs at the moment. One is in Sussex, right, in Crawley, and one is in Hackney in uh, Stoke Newton. The thing is that the shows are completely different in Crawley and in Hackney because in Hackney they like it a little bit spicy and they like it a little bit fruity. So we had a ballet dancer the other week with no clothes on and he worked really well. And we have burlesque dancers and we have fire eaters and sometimes some of the acts are a little bit scandalous. And if we tried to put that on in Crawley, it would be like, you're not allowed to do that. In Hackney, people are kind of outraged but they also love it. So we've got Nelly, she's 104. We've got Irene, she's 107. And we've got all these different men and ladies. They've been in Hackney for all their life or, you know, since the 50s, say. And they all come together and congregate. And we have a great party. I'm wearing a red dress, as you can see, that red dress. Uh, black tights and shoes, punky shoes. <laughs> And a chain, lovely, lovely the necklace. Very, uh, very smart. Very smart, yes, yes. So, you know, I'll try to do my best. We did a survey and we said, in the survey, we said, what's your favourite book and what's your favourite TV programme and except do you ever go to the theatre, things like that. And for their favourite book, half the people put the Bible and the other half of people put Fifty Shades of Grey. And I think, in a way, that kind of sums up what the uh, spirit of the place is. And now it's time for Eastcast and reports from coastal stations. <laughs> so you heard uh, The Book Club by Rebecca Lloyd-Evans and then a showreel from the photographic podcast series Everyone Else by Eva Kreisiak. Everyone Else looks to humanise strangers to make us more curious about and open to the people around us. And the last one was The Posh Club and I think that kind of summarises Eastcast. Um, we love discovering strange and wonderful things happening in East London. So if you have strange and wonderful stories from East London or things that could relate, get in touch because we're always open to new work. Um, yeah. It's, yes. So don't, don't leave yet because we have a, a bit more live music with King Tides. And then I'm going to be spinning some tunes as well. So, um, yeah, let's um, just let Ismail set up and don't, yeah, don't move, don't move. <laughs> and thank you very much for coming. Yeah, thank you. Hello? Uh, hello, my name is Ismail. I'm in, a, I'm in a band called King Tides. If you like what you hear, just like give me a high five later or something. That'll be great.
All the things that bothered your soul Made me smile and go crazy I wanted to start it with you Someone said we ain't ready I admit inside me lived fear Fear I never wanted to show you They were always on my dreams The greed twins with those eyes They were always on my dreams Thank you. I feel terrible. I've got a cough. So if it sounds terrible, I apologize. Um, I feel like I should talk about the songs a little bit. Uh, this song is called Let Me Down. It's about wishing that someone you cared about would uh, disappoint you again so it'd make it easier to not talk to them again. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Cheers. She won't let me. She won't let me go. The Easter think so. Could be my ego. Won't you let me down again? I've been, I've been tempted. Probably funny, false and angry all the fucking time. Probably funny, funny. Probably funny, false and angry all the fucking time. Go past you I won't go past She won't let me down Let me down So she said to me, go past you, I won't. I'll be funny, false and angry, 
all the fucking time. Probably be funny to you. Probably be funny, falls and angry all the fucking time. Probably be, probably be. Probably be, probably be. Thank you. Um. Uh, one more. Cool. Uh, sad or happy? Happy? I don't really write happy songs, so I could just do uh. <laughs> A cover of my favorite theme tune of all time. It's a happy song. Um, you're more than welcome to sing along if you know the lyrics. Every day when you're walking down the street, everybody that you meet has an original point of view. And I said, hey, what a wonderful kind of day. Learn work and play and get along with each other. And I said, Hey, what a wonderful kind of day to get learn work and play and get along with each other. You got to listen to your heart, listen to the beat, listen to the rhythm, rhythm of the street. Open up your ears, open up your heart, learn together and make things better. Working together is a simple message and it comes from the heart. If you believe in yourself, that's the place to start. And I said, hey, what a wonderful kind of day. To get to learn work and play And get along with each other And I said, hey Wonderful kind of day To get to learn work and play And get along with Get along with uh, That's the end of it <laughs> Thank you uh, You guys have been great Give it up for Jesse and Lucia. Uh, yeah, the band's called King Tides. King like Kendrick and Tides like the waves. If you guys want to listen to some music around SoundCloud, then we have an EP launch on the 9th of March. It was nice meeting you guys. Bye.